Hey, my name is Brianna, and you're listening to the FCC Grayson Podcast. God is doing some incredible things here at First Church. To learn more about FCC and maybe plan your visit, head on over to FCCGrayson.com. We hope today's message gives you hope, inspires, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive into today's message. Um, we are uh, continuing in our December study, and, and we're looking at what we're calling role players this year. Um, last Sunday, Thomas opened us with a look at Joseph uh, and the way that you know Joseph handled the situation uh, with the birth announcement of being engaged uh, to be married to a, a young lady and her becoming pregnant, uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit, uh, and then just the cultural aspects of that and the weight that that would have carried and how Joseph really showed faithfulness in the midst of a situation where it would have been proper in the cultural, in the societal sense, to honestly, he could have had her killed. He could have had her taken out into the street and stoned. Uh, and, and that would have been culturally acceptable. But we see Joseph being countercultural and honoring what God was doing, not only in Mary's life, but in his life as well. So with this study, what we're looking at is we're looking at these, what we would consider maybe auxiliary characters in the birth story, in this Advent season. And we're looking at qualities, what God has done through them, the qualities of godly character that they've shown, and how that points us to Jesus Christ, and also how we need to be implementing the same characteristics that we see in their lives. Joseph was very much someone, as I said, who honored and, 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 and come alongside of someone and supported them when it was not culturally appropriate to do so. So we want to make sure that we are coming alongside of those people as well, even when it may cost us from a societal standpoint and a cultural standpoint. But this morning, we're going to be looking at another auxiliary character, and we're going to be looking at Elizabeth. We're going to be looking at John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth's name's name means that God is an oath, or God is faithful. So remember that as we are stepping through this story of Elizabeth. Now, there are a few things. We're going to be coming out of the Gospel of Luke. And I'm going to be reading a main passage, uh, which is 36 through 45. But before we get there, I kind of want us to look at a few things, a few of the characteristics, a little bit of a backstory for Elizabeth before we get into really the, the thrust of the message this morning. And I'm going to give you some facts about her that we get from the Gospel of Luke. We see in, uh, you know, kind of Luke's introduction to this. I love the way that he phrases this in verse 3. He said, it seemed good to me also, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So this is an orderly account or an accurate or account, a historically accurate, relevant account of what happened in the life of Jesus. That is how Luke is setting this up. He's not saying, I didn't take 
he, he, he's denying, I'm not taking creative liberties here. Okay? I'm not writing this so that it's more readable to you. It's more enjoyable. I've added to the narrative of this story so that we could be entertained as we are reading through this. No, he says, I'm writing you an orderly, an accurate, a historical document that's giving you an account of these events. And in verse 4, he gives the reason for that. He says, so that you have certainty concerning all the things that you have been taught. So that's how Luke introduces his gospel. And then he starts into the story of the parents of John the Baptist, Zechariah, who is a priest, and Elizabeth. So we know that Zechariah and Elizabeth were married. Okay, So that's the first thing we see in verse 5. Zechariah was a priest. He was named Zechariah. And his wife was from the... Um, he was from the division of Abijah, and she was one of the daughters of Aaron. So they both had this rich history, like extremely rich history of generations before them. And in verse 6, it gives us this account. It says, they were both righteous before God, and they walked blamelessly. Blamelessly, not perfectly. Okay, They weren't perfect, but they were blameless in all of the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. So that is the foundation for what we need to understand as we're building this message this morning, that he was a priest, Elizabeth was his wife, they were of both from uh, priestly lineages, they were both righteous, they were both blameless concerning the commandments and the statutes of God. Then we get a little bit of a personal history. So this is kind of their genealogical and their occupational history. Then it gets a little bit more personal with Elizabeth. Verse 7 says, But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, all indications point to Elizabeth being about 60 years old at this point. Okay? She was a right at 60 years old. So she had spent her whole lifetime wanting children. She had spent her whole lifetime desiring to have sons and daughters, but she couldn't because she was barren. Now, understand that at this time culturally and from a societal standpoint, if a woman was barren, if she was not able to have children, it was obviously because of some sin in her past or in her families passed in the generations, right? So she was considered a social outcast because she could not have children. But yet we just saw that they were both righteous and they were both blameless. And they came from a great lineage of priests. But we have to see that there is a compiling elements of societal and cultural darkness here in this story. Because as as we know, and I think that Thomas referenced this some last week, but this birth announcement, these times, it's a 400-year gap between the end of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, in between when we start getting these gospel accounts or the announcements of Jesus. You know, all of the prophetic words, all of the prophetic utterances for God had dried up. All of them had dried up, and for over 400 years. Let's say that's today, and we're in the year 2020. That would be like the last word from God, the last thing we ever heard God utter would have been in the year 1620. That's still 150-some years short of our nation's 
foundation and birth. That's a long period of time. So you have this gap of 400 years of silence and 400 years of darkness from the prophetic words coming from God and through his people. Then you have this cultural darkness settling on Elizabeth because she would have been an object of shame. She would have been an object of ridicule. She would have been an object of scorn because she was unable to have a child. And then in Luke verses 8 through 18, or actually through 24, we see the story of an angelic announcement. Gabriel was busy in these few months here, okay? He, was, he had a John the Baptist birth announcement. He had a Jesus birth announcement. I mean, the guy had kind of, you know, he'd had a 400-year break. It's time to get to work. But we see that they're making this proclamation, and the story of Zechariah is fascinating in this, and I, I encourage you guys to, to read this passage. We're, going to, we're not going to read it for the sake of time. But all of these things are kind of laying a foundation for who Elizabeth is in this story. Now, I do, I do want to point out one thing. Uh, I believe that Zechariah had to be one of the most wise and discerning husbands that there's ever been any history of. I truly believe, guys, in, husbands, hear me. We can learn something from Zechariah this morning. And here's why I say that. Verse 18, chapter 1. And this is kind of him arguing with the angel. We're giving him reasons why they can't have a child at 60. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. Now let's look at how he describes his wife. And my wife is advanced in years. That's wisdom right there. It's a level of discernment. He didn't say that his wife was old. He said, I'm old. She's advanced in years. So file that one away. All right. And I think another little interesting tidbit is in verse 24. After this birth announcement, Elizabeth hid for five months. She went into quarantine for five months, basically, is what happened. It says, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months, she kept herself hidden. So here we have this, this priest, and just the beauty of the appreciation of the story of Zechariah being where he was is because most biblical scholars and most theologians agree that a conservative number of priests for that time would have been around the 20,000 mark. That there would have been 20,000 priests in serving in some capacity. So even though it was a kind of a rotational thing and a regular thing, it really wasn't that frequent that these priests would be called in to serve where Zechariah was serving during this angelic announcement. So as we begin to look at Elizabeth, let's go ahead and turn to verse 36, and I'm going to read a chunk of it here, so I'd like for you to follow along with me. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 36 through 45. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, this is, the Mar this is, this is being communicated to Mary, and behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Verse 37 Please remember this. This may be one of the most powerful statements in the entirety of the Bible. For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. 
And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, people and instances and examples in the scripture like Elizabeth that, that we know um, we're, we're regular people. That God, that you did extraordinary things through, just like Luke one thirty seven says, that nothing is impossible with you. So Father, I pray for us to have open ears, open hearts, and open minds this morning as we hear your word. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit speak through me, that it's not my words, but yours this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So now that we've got a little bit of a history of Elizabeth, let me set this secondary scene. Okay? Mary is instructed that Elizabeth is pregnant also. She's got a few month head start on her, but, but Elizabeth is pregnant. Now, it was roughly about 100 miles, roughly 100 miles between where Mary and Elizabeth were. And at this point, Elizabeth decides, or Mary decides that she needs to go see Elizabeth. Now, take a step back for a moment. Anybody in here just around the ballpark age of 60? You don't have to give me your hands or anything, but just think about that. If you're around that ballpark age, okay, you're, you, you've lived some life, okay? <laughs> There's been some advancement in your years, I don't think that anyone really at the age of 60 is going, boy, I really hope I have a kid. N not many that I know of anyhow. You know, I mean, because, listen, 43, and I'm going, Lord, please, <laughs> no. I just set myself up, didn't I? That's exactly what happened right there. Oh, anyhow, see there's sometimes, Kennedy, that the brain does not engage before the mouth speaks. But if we think about this, here's this 60-year-old woman who is pregnant with the child, with this son that she's wanted and prayed for her whole life. And actually, the birth announcement to Zechariah, when Gabriel showed up, it said, the prayer that you've been praying, and in the original language, it has an inflection of the prayer that you were once praying but are no longer praying has been answered. See, because for years they'd prayed for a child, but they had gotten to the place that they had given up on even having hope to pray for a child. And the angel shows up and said, the, that prayer that you've stopped praying, God's answered it. And we need to really be encouraged by that because there's no expiration date for our prayers in heaven. I don't believe that there's an expiration date on our prayers. But now, a knock comes on her door. She opens it up. And Mary, 
Mary is probably in the age range of 13 to 15. You know, that's, that's really where people kind of settle. That, hey, that's when they would get betrothed. That's when they would set, set up the marriages and, and the, you know, the lifelong journeys here. And she was now finding herself at roughly a 14-year-old virgin who's pregnant by the Holy Spirit and not really for sure what's going to happen to her with her fiancé. She's not yet sure what's going on in the mind of Joseph. So she goes, and she makes this journey, and all indications give us that she made this trip alone. So we have a 14-year-old, scared, confused, has to be bewildered, and mind just reeling about what has just happened, what God has just told her, and now she is making a trip a hundred miles roughly away from her home by herself. I mean, for those of you who are the fans of the movie, she didn't even have Shrek to escort her. She was by herself, and she made this trip. So she gets there, and now I really want us to start looking through the lens of Elizabeth. Something you've prayed for your whole life. Something your heart has been full of hope, full of sorrow, full of encouragement, full of disappointment. This roller coaster that would have had to be her life of wanting a child now is actually being realized. So this is her moment. This is my time. This is for all of those people who have ridiculed me, for all of those people who said that I was sinful, for all of those people who said something was wrong with me, for all of those people who said that there has to be something wrong with my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, for all of those people now is my time because God is showing forth that He is an oath and He is faithful in my life. And now this is my moment where I kind of get to... Show off what God is doing. And then, coming through her door, this snot-nosed little teenage girl talking about, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's how she sounded in my head. That's how she sounded. But think about that for just a moment. How many times? let's, Let's break this down onto a little bit more of a personal level. How many times have you struggled with seeing other people be blessed with blessings that you really want? And then, how do we justify that to ourselves? Well, I'm I'm a better person than they are. I don't know why God would do that for them and not for me. I'm the one that's going to church. I'm the one that's paying my tithe. I'm the one that's praying. I'm the one that's reading my Bible. I'm the one that's serving. But yet, this one thing that I want, I don't get. But them over there who's living a hypocritical lifestyle, all the time, they get it. It may just be me. But I think that some of us struggle with that sometimes. With seeing other people being blessed, maybe even a supernatural blessing because that's exactly what was going on with Mary. The thing that Elizabeth could not do for years in the natural, now Mary was experiencing at 14 years old supernaturally. How easy do you think it would have been for Elizabeth 
to harbor ill will and be jealous and be really resentful for what was going on. You see, we have a real problem with trying to define the terms that God needs to meet in our life. Because it's like, oh, well, if this happens, if something really bad happens, then I don't know if I can serve a God like that. Like, we're big enough to make a determination like that. Like, we want our circumstances to dictate our level of relationship with God. Here's what we're commanded to do. The Apostle Paul says that we need to rejoice at all times. Rejoice. Worship God. Serve Him at all times, no matter what the circumstances are. But we also see, um, how many of you have read the entirety of the book of Job? Have you, have you read the book of Job? Because we all kind of know the beginning of it. You know, that Satan was wandering and God said, hey, have you considered my servant Job? And then Job loses everything. And then Job, kind of for the first half of the book, he's kind of asking questions of God. Of God, why did this happen? God, this doesn't, I've lived my life. I've done the right things. You know, why is this happening to me? So Job questions God. And then God's response in the book of Job is fascinating because God doesn't start answering his questions. God just begins answering or asking Job his own questions. As listen, we have a beautiful, glorious, merciful, loving, forgiving God. But we in no shape, form, or fashion ever need to think that we have the right to question God Almighty. Now, he's gracious and he entertains our question. We can see that all throughout this book, in the book of Psalms. But it's not up to us to determine the setting or the circumstances in which we're going to serve God. The first moment that something goes wrong, well, I don't want to serve a God like that. Sorry. I don't know what to tell you. We don't get to make that call about God's character. But Job, God begins to ask the questions of Job. When was the last time that you caused the sun to rise? When was the last time that you set all of this in motion? When was the last time that you created something? You see, that's sometimes the way that we do things. It's like we want to determine our level of service to God and our level of faithfulness to Him based on our circumstances, based on what's going on in our life. But if we look at Elizabeth, understand what she's seeing here. Yes, this is her moment, but she's righteous enough, and she's godly enough to recognize that I have some, and we don't even know if they had even met before, to be honest with you. The chances are probably slim. She sees a family member. She sees a young lady who's confused, who is, who's, who's kind of in a panicked state that she doesn't know what's going on. Just listen, the circumstances in Mary's life weren't making sense either. The circumstances and the situations in her life were not making sense either. But Elizabeth had a lifetime of a history of living life with a stigma over her that was not true, 
How do you think, how beneficial do you think that that lifetime of experience in Elizabeth's life was to Mary whenever she showed up and just had the beginnings of a stigma that was going to follow her? Of this societal thing that nobody would understand, that nobody would embrace, that nobody would believe. Elizabeth had already lived a lifetime of that and she could pour that into Mary's life. Elizabeth had the prime opportunity to slam the door in her face, tell her to go back home and quit stealing my thunder. But that's not what she did. She took Mary in and she began to encourage her in the midst of a terribly confusing and mystifying time in Mary's life. Can I submit to you that we live in a society of people who are living in confusion, who are living in darkness, who are living with stigma, who are living with reputations of a past life that may very well be accurate, but the last thing that they need is believers in Jesus Christ to slam the door in their face when they reach out for help and say, this is my time. Don't think that this is going to be about you. What would it look like in our lives, if we took the posture of embracing and mentoring and all of these people that everyone else in society is slamming the doors in their face, saying your sin, your faults, your failures, your past is too great for us to do anything with, we're going to wash our hands of you. What if the church actually started acting like Elizabeth? What if you and I started acting like Elizabeth and instead of being so self-focused on what's happening in our life and this being my time, that we begin to look and serve others and embracing them and saying, let me love you the way that Jesus Christ commands me to. Let me love you the way that he has loved me. Because we see Elizabeth, her reaction we see that the baby leaped in her womb. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. This is a 60-ish-year-old woman talking to a 14-year-old teenager. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then she makes this statement. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Not only is she not holding it against her, her stealing her thunder, she's recognizing, I don't deserve this. You're honoring me and I don't deserve it. Why? Why? What would it look like, church, in our lives if instead of seeing people so wrapped up in their sins that we would look at them and go, I don't know what I've done to deserve this honor, but God has placed you in my life and I need to be faithful in encouraging you. I need to be faithful in serving you. I need to be faithful in loving you. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And now I'm going to read this next passage, which if you have a, a Bible that has titles on it, you'll, you'll see probably Mary's song or something like that. This is the response. This is how Mary responded to this invitation. Because you've got to think, I mean, a hundred-mile journey, she didn't know how she was going to be received. She had no clue how Elizabeth was going to embrace her or not. So this is Mary's response. And I want you to remember the, the three months that we, sent, that we spent in the book of Psalms this summer 
And I want you to see if maybe this doesn't sound somewhat familiar. My soul magnifies the Lord. This is verse 46. Then 47, And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Look at how powerful of a moment of worship that these two ladies enter into. I would like to submit to you this morning, I'd like to propose to you that this moment of worship that they shared together is a result of someone who encouraged a younger person, encouraged someone in a, in a trying situation instead of ridiculing, instead of judging, instead of questioning, instead of taking this posture of you are insignificant. This is all about me. Her response, Elizabeth's response of encouragement, of compassion, of lifting Mary up and embracing her led to one of the most powerful moments of worship that we see in the Gospels. I had to ask myself this question this week. How many times... And I'm not trying to say that we, we fill the role of biblical characters. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But I have had to ask myself this question. When was the last time that I handled my relationship with someone in such a fashion that it led them to worshiping God? Not worshiping me. Not thanking me for my beautiful insight and my deep revelation into their situation, but actually that the way that I allowed God to work through me led them to worshiping Him. So I'd like to ask you the same question. When was the last time that maybe, maybe somebody came to you and it was a blessing that they had that you really wanted? Or maybe it was the same thing, just in a different time frame. See, we have trouble with that, too. If we've had to wait for something a really long time, and then it happens for us, but yet somebody else seems to get it immediately. Anybody else struggle with that? Just, yeah. But when was the last time that the way that you ministered to someone led them into worshiping God. I want to ask the praise team if they would to, to come on back up this morning. We, uh, we do have an interesting little, uh, little side note. I don't know if it's a side note or not, but kind of like a, a closing thought in verse 56. It says, And Mary remained with her about three months and returned home. I kind of laughed whenever I realized the timing of this because Mary came 
She showed up when Elizabeth was about six months pregnant. It said that she stayed with her for three months. So it almost gives kind of the indication of, oh, baby coming. <laughs> I got to get out of here. <laughs> I ain't competing with that. But think about that. And then put yourself in the mind of Mary. I wonder, I wonder how many people that God places in our life that feels like they've made a journey of well over a hundred miles all by themselves, lonely, confused, depressed, filled with anxiousness and worry. And I wonder how many times that we've been faithful to the response that Elizabeth was with Mary of that, of encouragement and compassion in the midst of a dark time. Pray with me if you would. Father, we thank you for this example of Elizabeth and, and God, we see so much you at work in this. So God, I pray that you would help us, that you would challenge us this morning, that just as Elizabeth uh, encouraged and embraced and, and took on a mentoring role in the life of a, of a younger, younger believer, that God, that we would be challenged to do the same thing. God, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.